0: So what in the world are you waiting for? Give love, keep love away. give love Keep love away. give love Keep love. Love. love away now, give love Keep love. love away. give, give love, love to your brother, love to your father Give love, love to your mother, your sons and your daughters Give love, love to your sisters and all your friends give Shine love. your love in all directions Give love, Giving and receiving, it's just like breathing When you live to give love It gives life meaning, there's feeling it Love's inside us Nobody can sell this Or try to buy this Cause love is righteous And it might just Save the whole world From this global crisis So throw your hands up
1: Welcome to the What is Love show on Radio Free Brooklyn. Um, I'm acting as the host today, uh, Sasha Sugar is Away. Well, Sasha Sugar is Away. So my name is Vijay R. Nathan. And today with us on the What is Love show is Pauline Sade, Um, a Lebanese artist, Lebanese American artist, photographer, and world traveler based in New Jersey. She has deep connections to nature, spirituality, and the power of positivity. Her mission is to inspire others to travel for personal growth, adventure, and finding balance and purpose love and beauty in life welcome pauline
2: thank you so much it's a great honor to be here today with you vj this is a great show that you're uh hosting today so thank, thank you. you
1: thank you such an important topic talk about love in all its forms and and talk about um your own journeys towards love and in love so um first of all let's start a little bit about your personal journey tell us a little bit about where you were born and what your journey in childhood was like
2: so yeah, I was born in nineteen eighty-one in Deir al Omar. Deir al Omar means Monastery of the Moon in Lebanon. It's a UNESCO uh, heritage site. So if you haven't heard about this place, I highly recommend that you Google it and learn a little bit about the history because there's a lot of history about artists as well in that area. And I was born during the Civil War and some of you who have probably never heard about Lebanon Civil War, it lasted for fifteen years. From 1975 to 1990, so I kind of grew up really during the civil war. There, it was a challenging time, I would say, certainly. And um, the beautiful part, though, about you know looking back is that we spent a lot of times in the mountains uh, when my father took us away uh, to the mountains to get away from the war. And there, I got to really uh, connect to my heart space and to nature and to the mountains and to the beauty. Of nature And that kind of got us away uh, from, from the war at the time. And um,
1: it's, also... Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, it seems like uh, connecting to nature is part of the way that you face some of these challenges, some of these larger challenges in your personal life. And if you can expand it a little bit more on how you're able to face the kind of pressures and challenges of the Civil War, uh, not just connecting to nature, but that's part of it, but also some of the other things. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, how are you able to find that strength? To um, persevere.
2: That's a that's really a good point, uh, Vijay. So um, we drew a lot of our strength from our community, I would say. The love of our community and being there, our neighbors were really part of our family. Like whenever we needed a place or whenever we needed anything, it was kind of a reciprocal process with our community people, our family, our friends, our neighbors next door. We all kind of came together uh, as one to uh, go through and give each other strength during the war uh it wasn't just like our family left alone on the side it's just everyone coming together and um certainly i i remember a lot spending time just drawing and and just you know getting away from what's going on on outside and focusing on my creative process and you know as we know for me creative process is being in your heart space and you know focusing on on the positivity side of life
1: yeah and it seems like just for the listeners um you know this time spent in the mountains had its har- share of hardships because uh, I understand the the conditions were not, uh, you know, not conducive. I mean, you had no electricity and water. So you took a little bit about how that kind of um, was able to, you know, these things we think of as luxury. We think of as like we take for granted in our mm-hmm, society today mm-hmm. and how these luxuries uh, were, were luxuries for you and how. How would you cope with that? Talk a little bit about
2: that, yeah. Yeah, just to kind of uh, walk us a little bit back in my memory <laughs> and uh, just thinking about uh, what we went through. Um, during the Civil War, you know, even water, the the, the simplicity of just getting clean water and, and food on the table was a uh, difficulty for my family. And um, we learned earlier on that the element of water is sacred, you know, to have that, to quench your thirst, to have water, to, you know, take a shower, was water was gold to us. So I remember with my sister walking miles with our jugs uh, to go fill up clean water, and we would wait online. And I was like six or seven years old. I was very young, I remember, and just waiting online to fill up our jugs with water, and then walking back and going up the stairs to the fifth floor, you know, and by the time I get there, I want to drink the whole entire jugs that I just filled up, you know. Um, But it was very challenging, but at the same time, very eye-opening now that I look back because it makes you appreciate those simplest things that we take for granted and the simplicity of just having clean water. Um, So I learned that very earlier on in my life, and I'm grateful for that.
1: Very good. And also, um, it seems like... um, I'm going to get that microphone a little closer mm-hmm. to you. But um, it seems like, um, you know, imagination was a huge, b- big deal for you. Like trying not, is a way to cope, as a way to uh, express yourself, that art is, is what you had. You mentioned a little bit about that. Um, mm-hmm. So you continue to expand on that. And, and how during that time, were you doing drawing at that age? or?
2: Yeah, so in the Civil War, we didn't have electricity as well. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have TV like children. Now they have TV, they have their video games. You know, I didn't have that. I had nature. I had the stars at night to look at and to, to just ponder and ask those big questions. Like, you know, what's out there, you know, beyond this planet. And and these are the kind of thoughts that I was going through when I was little, just like drawing from nature because I didn't have TV, you know, mm. I had to, and I didn't even have toys, yeah. believe it or not. Wow. So I was just using my creativity a lot, a lot of the times. And, using what, what surrounds me, and just me and my friends just, you know, running around whenever, like, it was quiet outside and, and safe. We would run outside in nature, I remember. And even now, when I think back of my childhood, what really pops up, Vijay, is the idea and even a scent of the jasmines and the gardenias and all those things that I surrounded myself with as a child. And and maybe that's what I, what I focused on. I mean, I could have focused on the negative things that could ha- be happening, you know, like, Wait a minute. I went to bed hungry, you know, like because there was a lot of times that I did go to bed hungry. That we didn't have enough food, but um, I choose to focus on the beautiful things that I that surrounded me because there's a lot in life to look for um, in a positive way and and draw your strength from that.
1: Yeah. And did you did you do a lot of reading when you were growing up uh, as you got older? And uh, if so, what, what were the compelling um, philosophies that were taught to you about growing up uh, about love and that shaped you as a person or? Um... <laughs>
2: hmm That's really, really good, Vijay. Um, spirituality and love for divine was very strong with me. Um, majority of my uh, family members are nuns and priests. And even when I was a little girl, I wanted to be a nun, you know? Um, and I remember, you know, that was, that was my dream. I wanted to be a nun. I was very spiritual. I went a lot to the church with my family whenever we could. And eventually that... Um, that wasn't part of my path, like, for me. But um, I remember a lot, like, just drawing a lot of the ideas of spirituality and um, from, from my families because that's, that was their background. And when I was little, because I did go to Catholic school, and they had a retreat in the monastery. And so when I was young, I would go to that retreat, and there was volunteers there that would teach us about breathing and yoga, and these are some of the early philosophies that I that I learned, different perspectives of spirituality that, you know, you could use these modalities to look within yourself. And not necessarily like a church or, or God could be within you anywhere in the world. You know, just finding mm-hmm. that peace within yourself, that love within yourself, really was helpful and it was a great modality for me to learn as a, as a young child, or child during that time. Yeah, you it's know? so
1: important to develop a, a love in within oneself for oneself for one's family for one's global community and wh- one thing builds off the other like first you have to have a a deep sense of self-love as you're as you're expressing mm-hmm. and um you know talk a little bit more about how you integrated that and balanced that with these challenges and changes that reflected in your life and 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 how um you know as you grew up as you started to develop uh, what specific incidents shaped you and what specific um relationships are more central for your development
2: yeah yeah so i would say the the first thing that i learned from my parents first of all just mm-hmm. to back up a little bit yeah. is that when my my father one time i am tell you this quick story yeah. um my father's friend wanted to go to syria to the american uh, embassy to check on paperwork to see if he got them approved to go to america and my father said to him, "Okay, fine. I'll go with you. I have paperwork, but there's no way anything has been approved." So my my, fa- my his friends goes into the embassy, gets out nothing. My father goes in and he gets out, and he has like this sh- big shock on his face, and he's like, "They just told me I won the lottery to go to America, and they told me I have 15 days to make that decision." So 15 days is. Do you agree? It's it's kind of like. Crazy, to change your whole entire life. change
1: your whole life is turning on a dime, yeah.
2: Yeah, so so 15 days, our life was flipped upside down. And just to make this a little bit kind of like weird, my father said, I'm going to sleep on this to make the decision. And then he gets a call a couple of days after from his, because he was a police officer in Lebanon. He gets a call, he's like, from his his job, he's like, we're going to give you a bonus. And it was the exact amount we needed Mm. to buy plane tickets for five people. Like that we didn't have that, he didn't have that kind of money to buy tickets and be like, okay, I'm gonna go to America now, you know. So it was kind of a sign for him, and they did that decision. They made that decision to bring us here. So that was my first lesson and my development in in, in drawing that strength from my family, because it takes a lot of strength and courage and love for your family to to kind of pave the way for them and their future generations. So again, going back, you know, tying it into the love of of your family and sacrificing for your family so i learned that very earlier on i I really am grateful for that um then after that some of some of the challenges i can tell you is that fast forward in 2013 my father got diagnosed with nasopharyngeal cancer and it was a definitely a challenging time um for for everyone and and i was helping him you know with with all the multidisciplinary approach of of the doctors, that's, it's not easy. And then fast forward in 2016 and 17, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease because during that time it was so stressful for me. I was taking breaks during my job to go to the park and meditate because I was trying to use meditation, you know, Mm. to cope with that because that's something I learned early on in my childhood. And I didn't have the awareness that, hey, New Jersey is full of deer, by the way. Uh (laughs) You're going to get a, you know, Possibly a thick. Like, I never checked myself. Mm-hmm. So anyone who's listening out there and knows people that go to the park in New Jersey and upstate New York, please check yourself, yeah. you know? Um, and then that was, so I was feeling already depressed. And then on top of the Lyme disease, it was adding more, like, difficulty emotionally and physically to me. But um, what I tell you, what I learned from that, VJ is that I drew, I went back to to the drawing board. I'm like, what did I learn when I was little? What did I cultivate? about my resilience going through the war, you know, and and all these, you know, characteristics that you you can learn as you develop. And I decided not only to explore Western medicine, but I also explored Eastern medicine, Mm. where I was um, doing Qigong and I was doing herbal medicine and in combination with meditation, again, uh, and just cultivating that, like, self-love, Because what I learned from that, Vijay, is that you have to love yourself. Even when you're caring for someone, like like your loved one who's going through such a difficult time, you cannot forget about yourself. It is so important to love yourself and cultivate those strong roots within yourself. Because without strong roots, any storm that can come toward you, it's going to knock that tree. Mm. So I see, I learned that, you know, that was a big, big lesson for me during that time because I was forgetting about myself like I wanted to do everything I can for my father I wanted him to heal you know but I didn't have control there's some things you just don't have control over them you know Mm -hmm. it's just part of life and loving oneself and I can't repeat this enough it's just was one of the biggest lessons. to love myself and to care for myself
1: yeah it seems like uh, it's so important to remember that we're all part of this big picture the world they're all interconnected and that you know, our bodies, our health are so important because, um, you know, we're not separate. We're all connected. And, you know, taking care of that is good practice for uh, and good and the foundation upon which our compassion builds, you know, our compassion for others builds is, is by having compassion for ourselves. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about the evolution. You talked a little bit about that of your days about lobby. You started to, you start out with, a, um, you know, kind of a very spiritual religious background and you started to evolve into yoga and meditation. Um talk a little bit more about how these philosophies in your travels especially help guide your or mold your ideas about love um you know as you start to travel around the world um, how that kind of helped guide you yeah
2: so yeah after after the difficulties that I had and I set an I set a um, a goal for myself that you know life one one of the biggest lessons that I learned from all these experiences is that life is too short and you just gotta live it and I put a goal for myself while I was going through the to the healing, and after losing my father, you know, I, I, I said, you know, I, ha- I have to live myself from, I have to live my life. I have to take control of my life. So I, sa- I set these goals to to, tra- to start beginning to travel. And luckily, I, I have a husband, you know, who's fully supportive of, of, you know, supporting me in any way, any which way he can, and I'm grateful for that. So having a strong, uh, supportive system, family, you know, significant other is so important uh, while you're going through these difficulties. So definitely I drew a lot of strength by having my husband being there for me and my family. And I first started out with, uh, I joined this group from the UK and they were meeting up in Peru. So I said, let me start out in Peru as my as like my basis for the first travel. Mm-hmm. And when I arrived to Peru, I met with this lovely, lovely group. They were super supportive, super cool. And the whole itinerary said that we're going to be going to the sacred sites You know, and high high altitude, and excuse me, because I'm getting over a cold, so I'm going to take a sip of my tea.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so it seems like you kind of, out of the years, you moved in different areas, different areas and such. Go ahead.
2: So, um, so I'm like, well, this is none of the things that I typically would do, but you know, life is too short, so let me just get, you know, get to it. So, um, went to the Apu's different mountains in Peru, uh, such as Apu Asangate, Salcantay. Uh, Apu, Apushutusan, Pashatusan, Pasha sorry, mm. and Mesha Picchu, And um, some of the philosophies that I learned in Peru are two main ones. One is Munai, and Munai means love. And Munai means love, and, and what I kind of compare it to is compassion to, uh, with Buddhism. And Aini means reciprocity. Uh, which in Christianity we see that term, uh, that concept of do unto other as you have them do unto you. Mm. So it's the reciprocal process, and and they live their life, they weave that in their everyday life, love and reciprocity, not with just each other, with people globally, but with nature. Mm. And I really fell in love with those two concepts because they they really spoke to me, and I, I loved how Aini, reciprocity, you could see like the Andean, People use that into, into their ceremonies, on their daily life in, in doing an uh, energetic interchange, interchange uh, of offering and not expecting anything in return, just you know, that output of, of infinite love, infinite giving. And we see that in Buddhism when you're offering you know, flowers and, and incense, and mm-hmm. again, an interchange of energy. And I know, I know you have quite an extensive background in, in Buddhism as well, Vijay. So I don't know if you can speak toward that.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely they have the models of the Buddhism Bodhisattvas that we're giving offerings to so we can feel connected to those power sources of compassion and love and allow, allow them to and always giving, always giving, you know, giving love because giving is a practice that's essential for receiving. You know, in order to receive anything, we have to be able to give, you know. Exactly. So, yeah.
2: So, yeah. and, and and yeah, and what I learned also with with Munai love, they also talked about how beauty when it comes to creativity, like you know we're creative people. People, they say like even just the beauty of the flower, the essence of the flower, the colors of the la- rainbow is Munai is love. So beauty equals love as well. It stems from that. So I love 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 that concept when I was in Peru and just to learn about it and to weave it back into my community into my practice of a creativity was was very helpful and much needed at that time in my life as well.
3: Yeah,
1: to tie it back now to the thread we're getting on now is that you have a, a practice of photography and art that uh, people can go to your Instagram at Sade Studio, uh, S-A-A-D-E uh, Studio, uh, your Instagram handle, and find a little bit more of your travel pics and, and exploring that. But um, my question has to do with your artistic practice, and... Um, whether or not it's a, it's a way to express or how does that, what role does it play in, uh, in, in, in love and, and, and expression of love? Um, uh, how it, has how's it helped you to be, have an artistic practice?
2: So um, I started out in, in uh, when I went to Rutgers University, I studied um, uh, art history and I also studied uh, Eastern and Western religion and psychology. But I'm going to tell you like art history was my, my favorite um, I love learning about like different, you know, different painters and, and different centuries and different countries, and um, not and that kind of inspired me when I when I took those art history classes. I said to myself, one day I'm gonna be traveling the world, looking at these art. Like I don't want to just look at art in pages. Like I want to actually travel and see art for myself, and travel. And um, so I, I first started out with painting and with charcoal drawing which I, lo- I love charcoal drawing because it's just like so natural and I, I, I love it. I, I need to post some pictures on Instagram with a, my charcoal drawing. But then I fell in love with photography because photography also allows me to be in my, in my heart space and in the moment. So when I'm traveling and for example, I'm looking at an elderly woman sitting by the mountain and weaving and I'm capturing that moment, I'm capturing and I'm sharing that moment with that particular subject and then I'm I'm posting it back on, on social media and sharing it with others, it becomes a reciprocal process and also a, a process of giving of yourself and sharing it with the world and trying to inspire other people to look into that lens of, of yourself and also be inspired to be like, hey, you know what? That really inspires me. Maybe I could do something like that. I can travel and I can see things with my own two eyes, not just like, look at a documentary or look at the pages like see it and experience it with your all all of your senses so yeah. that that's really been my my vision really is to inspire people to travel and to share as much beauty as possible because I think we're I personally think we're, we're lacking um beauty as much beauty in this world and it's so important that all of us share a beauty of of this world and so much to, to, um, to, to inspire other people that need to see that beauty.
1: Yeah, it's so important also what I'm hearing from your story is the idea of connecting. You know, it's so easy to find the differences in things and, and see how we're all different, but to find the unity. You know, growing up, I understand you had uh, people of various backgrounds that lived in uh, Lebanon uh, and different faiths and different communities, and you were able to um, kind of find the, the human love story, human love within all of that. And it's mm-hmm. so important to be able to um, to connect with, with the humanness of everyone, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So,
2: yeah, I mean, just to kind of touch base on that, as you said, like we're growing up, I had friends, like I said, Armenian, French, Jewish, Muslim, and I did not see any differences, you know, growing up. Even though I, we grew up in the middle of a civil war, there was really no—I didn't see any differences. We were all we were all the same, ultimately, whether whether you are Muslim or Jewish or whatever religion it is. We are all the same because, the for me, the, the basis of, of um, religion is, is love, ultimately. And love ties us and connects us all. So I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah,
1: it seems like uh, we're touching in on what aspects of love are neglected by society or common misconceptions about love. I was going to ask a question about that. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
1: You know, the common narrative about love is so misguided in some ways. And the it, a lack of focus on... Um, What's important? Compassion.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, I think
1: it's something that's underappreciated. Under you know, people think about love in the sense of a possessive or a selfish love. Exactly. But what we seem to be touching in on is that self-care and is is important for uh, universal love. So that seems like self-care is the foundation upon universal love, whereas, like, you know, selfish love is like a negation almost of self. But if you expand a little bit more about how compassion uh, perhaps is misconstrued, yeah
2: i I do feel and I agree with you uh vJs that um I see a lack of of self love and compassion in the world as I travel more and more i I do try to um kind of educate myself and I see what's out there from my own point of view, not what maybe what the media is portraying and i see I see that I see that like in the way that we see the, uh, we see the earth right now, you know, our action affects our surroundings, you know. It speaks for itself, like with our oceans, with pollution, possibly, you know, with the overuse of plastic. But ultimately, self-love and compassion allows you to see things not just within you, and not only light the candle within you, but also allows you to light the candle um, within other people and ignite that, and then also care about your surroundings. Like, wait a minute, this is our home. Like, we shouldn't be trashing it. Like, this is this is where we live. This is the place we're borrowing for our future generation. And it's so important that we take care of Mother Earth, and we are mindful of the choices that we make every day. And every single person has the power to do that.
1: Yeah, and also I want to bring up a thread we talked about prior to the show, but I just want to bring it up here about how uh, with self love and self compassion, acknowledging the dark places, acknowledging that we're, you know we're, we're human, that we make mistakes, and and having love and compassion for that, because you know it's so easy to be like you know this model that we see things that. Um, you know, the perfect person, the model human, and you know, being hard on ourselves for our mistakes, being hard on ourselves for our our fault failures, but also loving those failures, having self love for those failures, and 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 struggle the struggle that we go through, and having love for that process seems to be important to you. And you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that and how your learning journey in that. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's I'm you know I'm human. It's an ever um it's an ever changing journey for me and it's going to be a process of course I'm I'm not perfect but um and I'm learning to love these imperfections of myself you know for example when I when I came to this country I was 11 years old and I fell into this depression because it was so difficult for my family like my father just picked up any job you know he was a mechanic because he wanted to support us. He wanted to, you know, and, and it was very difficult for them. So I took on a lot of their stress and that got me, that, that got me down. And I'm sure a lot of people who come from different countries feel the same, mm-hmm. because it's, a, it's pressure. You're in a different environment. You have to learn the, the language very quickly. So it's a different world. And um, now looking back, I, I love that part of me that was depressed. I appreciate that part of me that was depressed and I love me for going through that because it taught me to love myself even more mm. and to appreciate for me, to appreciate myself as a human being. I'm a human being having a human experience and it's okay to be depressed. It's okay to cry. It's okay to fail. You know, I've had many failures and, and, you know, and that's okay uh, because it, it teaches you to be even more resilient and more stronger and the unique person that you are. So um, it was a long process, and it still is, but I'm learning to cultivate that inner love for myself uh, because ultimately we have ourselves to support ourselves and then offer that as a medicine to others.
1: It's so important to remember, I think, that I'm hearing from you when I'm hearing for you to restate and to kind of summarize or or to give back, is that, um, you know, in Hollywood and in and, and media and and the ways in which we digest information, it seems like you know people are seeing product over process, and they're seeing the end result. They're seeing people succeed. They're seeing people uh, produce materials. They're seeing people smiling all the time in the media. You know, always having you know happy, happy faces and, and successful. They're rich. They're whatever. And we have to remember that it's all a process, and that uh, there's nothing wrong or there's nothing uh, bad about Crying or about having negative experience because those things lead to ultimately peaks and valleys is ultimately where the human heart comes from. You know, the human mm-hmm. beat, heartbeat comes from peaks and valleys. So uh, we have to appreciate both of them and, and 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 acknowledge both of them. That you know, sometimes a valley turned the other way can be a peak. I don't know. Exactly. And yeah.
2: I, and I remember mentioning that uh, the other day when I was having a conversation with my friend. You know, for the longest time I had this check check thing you know go to school you know get good grades get the nice car get the nice house uh you know and 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 you know life is not like that i realized at one point like that was not working for me <coughs> you know that check checklist mm. was not working for me because i wasn't living i was living myself as a checklist mm. and life is more than that it's, life is not linear like that like you as you can see from, from my story, it's like in zigzags, you yeah. know, like you have the ups, like you said, the downs, and yeah. that's okay. That's part of life. That's normal life. You know, no one has it perfect. And from the outside, people might look at me now and be like, you know, she has the perfect life, you know, she has a good job or and everything that like can see the outside. It's the tip of the iceberg. But what is under that iceberg is all the hardship you go through, you know, yeah. and and ultimately is um, that's OK. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And it seems like you had a
1: very strong compass <laughs> through all of this. You had a very strong compass uh, to guide you through the dark areas and and have your guiding light. But talk a little bit about your compass and what act as your as your compass assist you in directing towards this vision you have for yourself and for your community. Um, and how did that compass uh, operate or how did that compass uh, help you?
2: So for me, the compass, I would tell you, is my heart. Yeah. It's very simple. Um It's been my heart, and just listening to what feels intuitively right for me as a human being, and right for for me as a unique person. Because I can't apply other people's compasses for me. Like it's my life; it's different, you know, different circumstances. But I'm learning, especially like with the, the the turning point with losing my father, really opened up my eyes. That you know, he worked all his life. You know, he he. He was so dedicated to us, and I'm so grateful for that. But at the same time, he taught me also that I need to follow my own heart and and, and love myself enough to do the things that I dream of. Like, what about my dreams? And during that in- incident, I did question myself a lot, which led me to the compass, you know? I questioned, mm. like, what is the purpose of life? What is my gifts? What am I supposed to be doing here? Like, I did... Question a lot and that's why i decided to go on journeys because i wanted those questions those questions answered and i'm still on that journey mm-hmm. you know and 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 also like tying it back also like i was so lucky to have my community support like the love of my husband and, and my family like that was that was important because that gave me also a strength to follow my heart as well
1: yeah and it seems like you had a lot of role models in your father and and your family to be able to help you um find that embodiment of love, find that embodiment of self-love, self-care, and and building towards that, towards uh, the path you're on, to be able to follow your heart and follow your intuition. Um, What other role models do you have to help you kind of get a sense of what it was that you want to embody? Was this any total role models or any outside role models or anything else that you want to talk about?
2: Yeah, I mean, I look um, for my role models. I look for my ancestors, my family my parents who kind of sacrificed a lot for us to bring us here um my husband who laughs every day he's he's a uh, he's very funny he makes me laugh every day even when we're having a fight he'll say something funny and we won't fight anymore <laughs> um so my my husband my family my friends and also ultimately i learned that i am my own role model my own role model and i own that because you know, going through those difficulties, you know, with, with, with the Civil War and, and the Depression and even, you know, I don't know if I touch base on. I got a mysterious illness was when I was a little girl. Going through that of 15 days of, of suffering and, and coming through it taught me all to also look within the compass within myself and, and to see myself as a role model also for myself. Mm. And, of course, I had spiritual spiritual guides you know like i look up to the Dalai lama and and to the teachings of jesus and all of that is i draw the the essence of love from all of these supportive supporting systems you know
1: it seems like when you um what i'm hearing from you also is that you're creating or using your imagination to create um uh, a version of yourself that is really true to your heart and it's slowly moving towards that to embody that vision for yourself and of yourself so um what would you say is the practices or routines that you do daily that help you cultivate that, bringing more of a union between your, the ideal and the, and, the, and the reality? What are the routines you have that help guide you through these potentially negative times and, and keep you on the path? Yeah. Th-
2: thank you for asking yeah, that question, you. Vijay. Um, every day I try to do a 15-minute meditation. I call it a compassion meditation. And um, I learned part of it. You know, I learned to combine it from a monk in the Woodstock and with Upstate Woodstock, there's a monastery, Buddhist monastery, and I learned the meditation from a monk there. Um, and I kind of morphed it into my own compassion meditation that I do 15 minutes a day every morning. And then as I get out the door, I've kind of utilized a um, technique that I learned from an Indian shaman in Peru, where as I walk out the door to start my day, I say, today is going to be the best day of my life. Because guess what? Words and thoughts are so powerful that if you they're beings you're Mm -hmm. calling that into your day and you're setting the tone and energy for the day so i start I, i like to start out my day in a positive way that way um so that's so important um these these type of modalities uh you know speaking and and being mindful also i try as much as i can throughout the day to be as mindful with the type of words and And how I respond to different things, because I do work in a healthcare field now, and it could be very stressful, so it's it's important how to also be mindful of the type of thoughts you use and the type of words you use. But I think meditation is so crucial and and I know you went on a, on a trip probably yeah. to toward that you can speak more about meditation than me, but I do fifteen minutes it's that's all I do fifteen minutes a day, and it does tremendous work for me
1: yeah, I think that in my own practice, I try to visualize you know um myself on the hero's journey so i try to think about it in terms of adventure a uh, co- complex genre kind of thing so in other words like when i when i have to start the day i'm like you know I'm, I'm continuing on this journey that's bringing me through this and even if there are negative things that happen just like in the storyline narrative you know challenges happen to the hero you know and we have to just acknowledge that you know this brings us through that this this is going to bring us through to the light and to the to the positivity so that we go through that not with um You know, we want the hero of a a film or of a story to be fully invested in their life's journey, fully invested in their life struggle, so that then they can ultimately come out the other side more satisfied, more the the richness of uh, accomplishment happens through that struggle. And I think that being fully invested, for me, at least in my own practice, being fully invested in each daily struggle, being fully invested in each uh, daily um, interaction helps me kind of... uh, Think of it in those terms, you know. And, and, and is there anything that you res- resonates with you, or what is it? What is it that, um, what, what kind of narrative, or what kind of story do you come up with that for yourself? And and how does that, we solve? Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So,
2: um, and just to piggyback
1: yeah.
3: but
2: with that, I I also do a lot of uh, mantras.
1: Yeah,
3: And, san- that, and
2: the Sanskrit mantras, yeah. I I love Deva Pramal. I don't know if you've heard of her. She yeah. is incredible. Uh, I love her Gayatri mantra. That's yeah. one of my favorite. So I sing that every day, the Gayatri mantra, I sing it every day. And now she's doing like live shows, uh, 108, you know, an hour of an hour of doing the Gayatri mantra. So, um, I mean, and to your point, yes, it's important to to, to see yourself as a story, a storyline and, and and to see that, you know, you can uh, you are the hero of your story that you can overcome and and see in a positive light that it's it's possible to overcome any difficulties that you might face and to stay calm within in the midst of these storms. You mm-hmm. can do it.
1: Yeah. So let's go back to your travels and uh, <clears throat> the place you visited in 2018. And you mm-hmm. mentioned a little bit about that, but let's go a little deeper into that. You, you believe you had a, a vision quest. So talking about the vision quest and how... The particulars of, uh, in regards to travel, how, how this um, affected you?
2: So, again, because I've had all these questions about my life after, after losing my father, that was the turning point. Um, started out in Peru, and there was an incident in Peru when I, and I, I, I wanna tell you that story before I yeah. forget it. I was, um, we got to Salkintai with the uh, UK group there, to Salkintai. And I was whole, um, they said, okay, well, we're going to drop our bags and we're going to decide to go up the mountains next to the um, lagoon, Hamantai Lagoon, which is next to the, uh, I think the iceberg, whatever it is. (laughs) And so like, I, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And I'm like, oh, sure. Yeah, no problem. We'll take a walk up there. So I dropped my bag and they're like, before we go up there, we want everyone to hold a rock that represents the old things in your life that you want to release and be thankful for. And when you get to the lagoon, you're going to throw it in the lagoon and grab another rock. So I said, yeah, that sounds pretty easy, right? So I'm going, I'm, mind you, we're like on a high elevation. So I'm going up the mountain and <clears throat> the guide was with me and I was like, I couldn't breathe. Like, I mean, I was, I've been working out and everything, but I couldn't breathe. It was so difficult and i told the guy, look i'm gonna i'm like running behind everybody else like don't worry just go i'll catch up with everybody it's just you know and then so i was i don't know how long it took me an hour and a half to get to the lagoon but it was such a difficult process because literally i was fighting everything i've gone through everything that i was that i was going through with like all the difficulties like even memories like from lebanon all came all at once and i was kind of like going through it up up the mountain and a voice in my head was telling me, you know, you need to quit. Like, you need to go back. There's no way you're getting up there. And I was like, you know what? I am going to get up there. So I'm going up there, and people go. They went by me and came back, and they're looking at me like, wow, you're still going up the mountain? Like, that's pretty impressive, you know? And I'm like, "Now I'm, I'm going to make it. So finally, I make it up there, and I turn around the corner, and I see this beautiful view of this lagoon by the mountain, Right? and the glacier and it's emerald green and it took my breath away like literally i couldn't breathe and i look at everybody else there from the group and they're looking at me uh we're getting ready to go like they're ready to leave you know mm-hmm. and i just got there and one of the, and i just started crying like so i just i didn't know what emotions to have but i started crying and then the sh- one of the, the the guy there one of the carol shamans he, 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 he took me to the lake, and he put water over my head, and he's like, if you could do this, you could do anything in your life. And that was really empowering. And then um, one, one of the guides there, he's like, don't remember to throw, you know, to, to throw the rock. So I threw that rock, giving it thanks to all the difficulties that it taught me, and I grabbed another, another rock with gratitude. So that was really a great experience to have during my travel.
1: Yeah, it's so important to understand that you know, these um, moments in our life uh, are ripe with empowerment possibilities. That you know, moments of struggle, moments of overcoming that struggle, and and putting it into narrative empowerment that um, not giving up. And also when we have when we're visited by memories, we're visited by, um, you know, kind of this voice that tells you can't do it. Being able to overcome and, and you know it's it's based on that strength, I think, of of perseverance. And these are the values that we as human beings want to hold up that we we're persevering that we're moving towards our goals that we're creating the reality as it's happening that, that we have the power we have the, the, the freedom to make our story something very powerful and it seems to me that this story illustrates that that you're able to uh, use a moment where doubt and, and hesitation and and transform it into something like like a coal becomes a diamond you know like yeah. be able to really put that strength of character and say I'm going to do this and, and, and capture that moment. So it's very good. Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about what your plans are You know, for 2019 and beyond. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're at 45 now, but we have a little time, yeah.
2: Yeah, so um, 2019, I'm very excited for 2019. Um, I am going, I'm planning on going back to Peru because there's other sacred sites that I would like to visit and learn from and, and draw more inspiration from. Uh, specifically with with my photography, I'd like to capture more photography this time because last time I went, I was really focused on my on my my questions that I had. But this time, I really want to focus on photography and, and capturing a lot of moments there. So definitely uh, keep up with my my Instagram when, once I post more pictures this year. I'm also planning to go back to Lebanon. I think it's important to go back to my roots, mm-hmm. um, and I'm planning to go there with my husband in uh, in May to Lebanon, and um, I'm also working with um, on on uh, cre- um, collaborating for 2020, uh, a women's retreat in Peru, a creative women's retreat. So that's going to be down the line. But that's definitely I'm planting the seeds now. And that's something I'm going to be working on for the future. So I'm very, very excited. And ultimately, like I said before, my vision and my goal is to create more beauty and and um have people look look within within these beautiful beautiful things that they see so they can look within themselves and within their heart space
1: thank you thank you so to remind listeners this is ready for your book in the what is love show i'm vjr nathan i'm uh substitute hosting for sasha sugar while she's away um we're talking a little bit about love her uh pauline Saad chade is our um lebanese american artist photographer and world traveler who's here with us today um you know, we're talking a little bit about her journey and then with love, you know, her journey, uh, the challenges she's faced all the, over the years, uh, going up in Lebanon and, and, and continuing on. Um, so, yeah. So anything else is coming up for you as far as like, um, you know, what what's coming up for you now? We still have like 12 <laughs> more minutes, but I have oh, some time yes. to play a song. But yeah, what's coming up for you? Yeah.
2: What's coming up is that I'm collaborating with uh, an artist, very talented artist, uh, Rochelle. I posted a, uh, it's called Share the Love. Mm-hmm. So come on, we're, we're, I'm continuing to share the love with everyone. Um, so there's a, there's a woman-only uh, art, uh, our creative art um, event that's happening in New York that uh, I'm going to be part of that. And it's, the event is posted on my Instagram, Sade Studio, S-A-A-D-E Studio. So if, if you really w- want to be part of that, uh, certainly it's a woman-only event, but uh, certainly we're going to expand it in the future. And so take a look at that. And um, I just want to tell you, I'm here to inspire women and, and just all to travel, to take the opportunity to spread your wings, to be empowered, to travel, to explore, and to share your love and your heart with everybody. Because everyone wants to hear your unique self and what you have to share with the world. So don't be shy and find your inner inner power to do that.
1: Thank you, thank you. So as we go out, why don't you tell us some, uh, uh, you make recommendations for, um, you were talking a little bit about art history and all this kind of thing, and uh, what are some of your favorite uh, art pieces uh, that really come out to you, that have lived with you over the years? Uh, any uh, specific artifacts of an of, of, uh, um, uh, art or in anywhere
3: else? Anything?
2: Well, yeah. I... Um, I love Jimmy Nelson. He's a photographer, travel photographer, and Robert Len, um, Linson. I have them posted on my fa- on my Facebook. But um, these these are two photographers that I really look up to. Uh, I've been really following their work recently. Um, they are they're um, photographing uh, indigenous people, and uh, it's uh, it's something that I'm really diving into right now. The ing- indigenous issue and also, the respecting of, of our water and having clean water out there. It's so important that we educate ourselves about this issue and also educate ourselves about the indigenous community. So I really, really um, love their work. They they have work from from, uh, from different indigenous groups and from Bhutan, from Mustang. It's just such a beautiful work that I, I'm going to go ahead and post a few pictures of them on, on Instagrams and with their links so you can totally go check it out and, and see if you feel called to look further into it.
1: Yeah, it's so important to remember that uh, all cultures and all human cultures, all, all these cultures have so much to offer and not to, it's so easy to think, uh, you know, moving forward, moving forward and, and dismiss the, the wisdom and the, and the deep roots that we have in indigenous cultures and, and uh, to value the, um, the, the wisdom there. Yeah, yeah I mean,
2: absolutely. I don't, I, I don't know if I have time to mention this, but yeah. I went last year to um, Costa Rica, to Arenal, and I visited the Maluku indigenous group. And they took us into their land. They showed us medicinal uh, plants and how they maintain the uh, the land there to to draw these medicinal plants. And uh, they cultivate the cacao from there. And they told us about like how they're trying to gain part of their land back. And it's just so important to know that these things are happening all over the world. And it's it's good to educate yourself in person. Um, so that was that was pretty inspiring.
1: Thank you. Thank you. So you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. So to help support our mission, we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at radiofreebrooklyn.org. Every cent helps us to continue to stay on air. So please support independent community media by pledging whatever you can afford. All contributions are tax-deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Again, that's readyforbrooklyn.org slash donate. Uh, Radio for Brooklyn is proud to announce that we'll be launching an after-school program for local teenagers in 2019 um, to learn media literacy through media making using a hands-on approach guided by local professionals. If you'd be interested in participating or even donating to this program, please go to readyforbrooklyn.org slash afterschool. And remember, all donations are tax-deductible. A uh, very important on-air read is going to be... Uh, This Monday, tomorrow, uh, February 11th at 9 p.m., join us for a night of comedy and storytelling as comedians perform material informed by their experiences with sexual assault. Uh, Our word for it. uh, Take our word for it. uh, Come out for yourself. Uh, Come to Asking For, presented by Radio for Brooklyn this Monday, 11th at 9 p.m. It'll be a uh, very important catharsis with comedians uh, Allison Klempt, uh, Lizzie Cassidy, Christina Galson. Uh, I'm sorry if I butchered these names: Joseph Roberts, uh, Vanetta and Jen Welch. Uh, this show is at Pine Box Rock Shop. So come for some good consensual fun at two uh, eleven at nine p.m. Um, at twelve Gravin Street in Brooklyn. Okay, so um, yeah, and uh, anything are we, are we directing people to your Instagram, Pauline uh, Sad Studio. And any last thoughts, and closing thoughts as we start to go out? Yeah, yeah I
2: just want to say thank you so much, Vijay, for this opportunity, the opportunity to share the love with everyone and to know that we are all connected, we are all love, and I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Thank you.
1: Thank you. So the What Is Love show airs every Sunday at 2 p.m. Um, also, uh, my normal show, I'm substitute hosting for Sasha Sugar, who is away right now, but our nor- my normal show is, um, my usual show is Truth to Power show on Radio Free Brooklyn which is uh, every Monday at 8 a.m., which rebroadcasts on, uh, on uh, Thursdays at 9 a.m. So it originally airs on Mondays at 8 a.m., and then it'll rebroadcast on Thursdays at 9 a.m. on ReadyForBrooklyn.org. And if you're uh, listening on your computer, you can free yourself up by going to ReadyForBrooklyn.org slash iPhone or slash Android to um, get the mobile apps. And also, if you want to find out more about our information... About our newsletters, about our programming, upcoming RFB events. Sign up for our newsletter to keep up to date with new programming, upcoming RFB events, interviews, ticket giveaways, special offers, and RFB swag and more. Sign up at slash newsletter And uh, thank you so much. I'm going to be going out with um, Imagine Dragons, uh, the song "Dream," uh, because I think that uh, you know it's so important to remember that the dreamlike qualities of everything. The dream qualities of all this world, this world is such a, uh, I'm just trying to pull this thing up. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah.
2: And to also get messages from dream, right? Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> because
2: I draw a lot of my creativity and my inspiration from my dreams. So um, dreams are so crucial to also to, to our development. So pay attention to your dreams.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
3: Bed night, we have the curtains drawn tonight Tune in to Radio Free Brooklyn Tuesday.